This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bucha Gusto has the lead for Bob Baffert, leading by a couple of lengths. Ben Battle, Gold Dream, all the time. Midnight Bisu running on strongly up the inside running rail, and now trying to challenge maximum security as well. Mucho Gusto clinging to the lead, maximum security, and Midnight Bisu closing. Midnight Security on the inside, maximum security has the lead. Narrowly for Midnight Bisu, maximum security is the winner of the inaugural Saudi Cup. The horse that we remember for a race he lost will now be remembered for a race he won. A punch in the air, maximum security. Louis Sayers, Midnight Bisu came past the entire field, bar one, and that one was maximum security. Now, here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. We head straight out to Santa Anita. They're in the gate for race two from the great race place. Here's Frank Miramati. And they're off. Tangled up in gray, had a bad stumble in his last. Quick beginning for Play Chicken, but an even faster one for Ferociously, who clears off a length and a half. Tangled up in gray will now rush in between rivals to move up and take second. Elevato is on the far outside. Then too much info, and Squalatoro is four off this leader, Ferociously, who went by the half-mile pole a length and a half in front. Play chicken, tangled up in gray. Too much info, trying to get in between horses in a very tough spot. And Elevato is outside of them. Squalatoro is at the back, four lengths front to back, less than three furlongs to run. It's Ferociously, who's been the controlling speed. Tangled up in gray, tries to engage second. Three quarters, Elevato in third. A very wide Squalatoro is five lengths off the lead. Play chicken at the rail, too much info. They're in the final furlong, still having to get to Ferociously. Three quarters of a length, Elevato in the center is starting to kick into high gear. And Elevato takes over at the 16th pole. And it's Elevato to score handily. Elevato by two, two and a half. Ferociously. Tangled up in gray, and then play chicken. Unofficially 6-4-2-3 in the second race at Santa Anita. Number six, Elevato, for the team of Sean McCarthy and Tyler Bay is getting the job done in that second race. Elevato had been, uh, well, taking a little bit of a drop in class from the condition $20,000 level into this condition 12-5 level at Santa Anita. Basically a, a one-notch drop in class. I guess theoretically you could go from 20 to 16 to 12-5. When it comes down to the non-two-lifers, non-three-lifers, I don't think there's really a whole lot of a difference between 12-5 and 20, but uh, this is the race that filled, and by filled I mean they they got six horses to run in the race. Didn't feel like 12 or 14 are going, but they, they made the race, if you will. And uh, Elevato says thank you very much and goes on to get the job done for Randy Sparagi Racing. wonder where Randy Sparagi is. Randy, if it's the same Randy Sparagi I'm thinking of, he used to be uh, on TV and actually do some uh, racing analysis out in Southern California. So uh, good for Randy Sparagi, if that's the same one that I'm thinking one from years past. And Elevato, the unofficial winner at 3-1 to one of the second race at Santa Anita. Welcome back to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman, here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. 
bringing you live action from around the country, interviews from time to time. And today we've got a full show on tap for you. You already heard a race from Santa Anita. We'll be covering them throughout the afternoon. We've got the finale at Gulfstream Park getting riders up with about seven minutes to post. They're in the paddock now, heading out to the track for the ninth and final on this Friday card at Gulfstream. Two more on the Aqueduct card, still several to go at both fairgrounds and Oaklawn. And we'll be covering all of the action for you somewhere uh, we are going to find the time to talk to trainer Ken McPeak, who, aside from getting his 2,000th career training victory the other day, uh, is a busy man uh, both at Fairgrounds in Oaklawn and especially at Oaklawn tomorrow as he settles five runners in the three graded stakes, including uh, chances uh, a chance in the grade two Rebel uh, tomorrow, $1.25 million on the line, so we'll pick Kenny's brain and uh, see what's going on with his runners. And I also want to find out where Mystic Dan is. He was an impressive winner of the Southwest. He skipped the Rebel, and I read somewhere that he's being pointed toward the Arkansas Derby. We'll talk to Kenny and ask him uh, what's going on with Mystic Dan and how they decided to do that with the impressive Southwest winner. If you'd like to call in, we might be able to find time for you. 888-966-966. 4776 is the number, 888 hrrn You can always email me as well. I answer all my emails, not necessarily during the show, but I will get to them. Bobby at horseracingradio.net. That's B-O-B-B-Y. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Uh, At the show open, we heard the stretch run of the inaugural Saudi Cup, which was run in 2020. And uh, whoever that gentleman was that was providing the commentary for the Saudi Cup uh, stuck his foot squarely into his mouth. See, this is why it, just the facts. Listen, it, it could be it, it might not be as exciting when you start trying to inject, you know, things in, you know, extras in there and things that show how smooth and how smart you are and, you know, you're you're only asking for it. And somewhere as they were approaching the wire or as they crossed the wire, he made the mistake of saying now you know, maximum security, basically saying now maximum security instead of being remembered for what he lost, which he was inferring to the Kentucky Derby, uh, he will remember, he remembered for what he won. But in the immortal words of Lee, uh, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I'm pretty sure that's not what maximum security is going to be remembered for. Uh, He did win the Saudi Cup in 2020, and until, uh, I don't know, about three weeks ago or so, uh, he was the winner of the Saudi Cup, but the uh, folks in Saudi Arabia finally decided uh, that he was going to be disqualified from that win, uh, basically for not being eligible to run because of uh, all the evidence that came out against his trainer, Jason Service, over the last few years. So the purse had been held kind of uh, in limbo, but it sounds like it's being redistributed. redistributed. Uh, and now Midnight Bisu, who's, who was co-owned by our good friend Jeff Bloom, elevated first. Everyone else moved up a peg. So maximum security. Uh, now theoretically disqualified from the two biggest races 
in the world, the richest race in the world, the Saudi Cup, and the biggest race in the world, at least for those of us here in the Western Hemisphere, the Kentucky Derby. So uh, the announcer made a mistake, as it were. When, when you think of the name Maximum Security, when I say you, I'm going to say most people, not everyone. Uh, the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, he won the 2020 Saudi Cup. That's probably not what you're going to be what you're going to be thinking. Uh, okay, uh, they're a couple minutes away from the finale over at Gulfstream Park. I think we might have time to get the prices in for the second race at Santa Anita, where number six, Elevato, was the winner, a five-year-old chestnut gelding by Street Boss out of the Mineshaft Mare sign-up, owned by Randy Sparagi Racing and trained by Sean McCarthy. Tyler Bays, the winning rider. Elevato, 823-60-260. Second four, Ferociously, 380-260. Third, Two tangled up in gray, 260 to show. Fourth number three, play chicken. Exact at 1310, the try 3370. Dollar super, $114.50. Ninth and final race on the card at Gulfstream Park is about two minutes away. 77 degrees right now here in South Florida, partly cloudy skies. And they're on the synthetic third track, if you will, for this finale at Gulfstream Park. Boy, they run on this synthetic track a lot more than they originally told us they were going to when uh, the plan was to put this racing surface in. Uh, Somewhere back there, they kind of uh, conned us into thinking that this surface would only be used when they came off the turf. And since the turf horses... Uh, seemed to run okay on the synthetic and vice versa. This would, in, in, you know, if, if a field of 10 or 12 were entered for the turf, instead of half of the field scratching, moving to a sloppy dirt track, maybe there'd only be one or two scratches and you'd have more horses, which of course would mean more betting and more handle and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but as it turns out, they use the synthetic surface at Gulfstream every bit as much as they do the dirt track or the turf course, and in the summer times when they haven't had turf race in the last two years, I think they've used the synthetic track basically 70% of the time. Uh, so uh, if you like synthetic track racing, Gulfstream Park is certainly a spot for you, and this ninth race could be your spot as well. Five and a half furlongs the distance. It's a condition-claiming event, four-year-olds and up, non-winners of three races lifetime, or non-renters of one race since August 23rd of last year. They're all in for the claiming tag of $35,000. We've got a field of eight gathering for this race. And uh, favorite right now is number eight, Comedy Town, for trainer Eddie Pleza Jr. and jockey Paco Lopez coming out of uh, what looks like a little bit tougher competition last time out on the synthetic track at Gulfstream and now taking a, a drop in class today. Uh, most of Comedy Town's races, at least recently, have been against better fields class-wise than what he is going to see today. Uh, Eddie Pleza uh, having his typical solid meet at Gulfstream Park. He's hitting at about a 14% clip. This championship meet overall, uh, since the beginning of 2023, he's winning at about an 18% clip. And that's basically the story of Eddie Pleza seemingly for the last 30 years. Uh, he's been a trainer in South Florida for a long, long time. Uh, and along the way, went from being year-round in South Florida to sending uh, a string, if not most of his horses, up to Monmouth for the summertime. Uh, but he was a, a regular at Calder through the years in Gulfstream and Hialeah uh, way back when. And uh, very nice guy, very sharp guy. 
Uh, he's had some really good horses along the way, but kind of everything from lower-level claiming runners to highest-level graded stake runners based in South Florida is what you get from Eddie Pleza. And uh, he and his team have been doing it very, very solidly for a long, long time. And it looks like they are you know, right back in the thick of their normal action right now. So they're approaching the gate for this ninth and final at Gulfstream. After this race, we will head on over to Oaklawn Park as they are just three minutes away from post time for the sixth race on their card. And we certainly don't want to miss that. But first things first, the finale at Gulfstream. Got a nice stake this weekend at Gulfstream. Gulfstream Park Sprint is tomorrow. Not the best sprinters in the country, but a solid field. Next week is we're gonna when we're gonna see some some real good action at Gulfstream. It's one of their mega stakes days. I would say it's the third biggest day of the season at Gulfstream. Florida Derby Day is probably number one. Pegasus number two, and Fountain of Youth Day, which is next Saturday, March second, is number three. And I think they've got eight stakes. Uh, in all on Fountain of Youth Day next Saturday at Gulfstream. Here's the ninth today. Pete Aiello on the call. The outside gate. Comedy Town. He's up. He's in. And we're ready for a start. And runners away. They were across the course early. The only two who didn't hit the ground running were Immortalization and Richie. From the rail, Destin's mission is away quickly down the far outside. Here's Comedy Town moving up. These two race on in between horses. That's Night Jumper into the top flight. From fourth, it's Shecky Shabazz. Outside fifth, that's Cosmic Speculation. Then Sir Seamus, two better than Immortalization, and Richie is last. Around the four turn they go. From the inside, Destin's mission still ahead in front. Comedy Town is second. Dropping back to third is Night Jumper. The veteran, Shecky Shabazz, angles off cover for Tyler Gaffleone with dead aim on the embattled duo. Back to fifth is Cosmic Speculation. Nobody running home with any authority from the back. And they're at the top of the stretch. Shecky Shabazz loose down the center and charging hard with an eighth of a mile to go. On the outside, Shecky Shabazz has taken the lead. Back to second is Destin's mission. Back to third is Comedy town, but it's Shecky Shabazz to win it by two in the end. Second, Destin's mission. Third was Comedy Town. Fourth was Night Jumper in 102 and 2. At one time, he was one of the best turf sprinters in the country. Now he's a nine-year-old gelding, and even though he's not running at the lowest level claiming ranks, he's uh, dropped several digits in the class level and uh, ladder, and he's uh, lost a few steps, but shows that he's still got heart, still got talent, and from time to time still got what it takes to get to the winner's circle. 2-1-8-5, the unofficial top four in the ninth and final at Gulfstream. Shecky Shabazz, your unofficial winner of the finale. Over to Oaklawn Park we go, the calm before the storm the storm is tomorrow with four stakes on the card on that rebel stakes day but today 68 degrees sunny skies and the track is fast race six is about a minute away from post time uh these are four-year-olds and up non-winners of three races lifetime and they are in for a thirty-five thousand dollar tag six furlongs the distance here scratch number five dog red We've got a field of seven going to post. The two that are vying for favoritism right now, four Ram and six Master of Arms. Ram for Wayne Lucas and Keith Asmussen, Master of Arms for John Ortiz and Ramon Vasquez. Ram uh, defeated against similar condition claimers in his last start. Master of Arms uh, is coming out of a, uh, a condition claiming win against non-winners of two lifers in his most recent start. So he is now taking the logical step up to face non-winners of three lifetime today. Took him a long time 
to get that second win of his career. We'll see if he can uh, wheel back and be tough against the three lifers today. Those two look very even in the past performances, and they are very even in the wagering as well. They are 2-1 to one right now as they are approach post time. Checking uh, other areas of the country, five minutes away from post time for the sixth race in New Orleans at the fairgrounds, uh, 10 minutes away for the seventh race at Aqueduct, and about 14 minutes away for the third race at Santa Anita. So if everyone behaves themselves, uh, we should be able to get them all to you without uh, joining a race in progress. Somewhere amidst all the action that we've got on this Friday afternoon, uh, we are going to be joined by trainer Kenny McPeak, who, uh, to my knowledge, is on his way from fairgrounds to Oaklawn now, which does not sound like the most fun drive in the world, but he's got a lot of horses based at fairgrounds, a lot of horses based at Oaklawn, and I think he's actually got one in the finale at Oaklawn today, so he's trying to get there in time for that. We're going to talk to him about all the horses he's got running tomorrow at Oaklawn, uh, as well as find out what exactly is going on with his Southwest champ, Mystic Dan. But uh, that is coming up uh, a little bit from now. First things first, lots more racing to get to. And they have arrived at the starting gate for the finale, uh, for the uh, not the finale, the sixth race at Oakland. I can tell you at Gulfstream, speaking of finales, and the ninth race has gone official. Two, one, eight, five, three. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. But over at Oaklawn Park, they are now loading in for the sixth race on the card. Number four, Ram. Number six, Master of Arms, still disputing favoritism as the last few go in. Here's League of Legends with the legendary John Court to the outside gate. We'll hand it off to Matt Dinnerman. We're ready to go. And uh, we're off. Seven flat bobbled a little bit coming out of there. Drops to the back. Rhythm Nick from the inside and Master of Arms on the outside. Master of Arms takes control. Rhythm Nick in the early part about a half length back running in the second spot. Fire Brian right off of them in third. Little Sweet Thing is next with Ram and seven flat inside of that pair moving up to be within five lengths of the lead. A gap of three to League of Legends who's the trailer. Past the half mile pole. Master of Arms in control now. Enters the fourth turn a length and a quarter ahead. Rhythm Nick getting off the fence to come and chase him in second. Fire Brian remains three deep in third. He's pulled about four lengths clear of Ram. Seven flat under a hard ride. Little sweet thing outside of them. And League of Legends has yet to pass a runner as they hit the quarter pole. Master of Arms appears to be going well under Ramon Vasquez. Master of Arms off the turn of length in front. Harry Hernandez getting busy on Rhythm Nick. Still chasing in second. He's got a shot to run by though. Rhythm Nick on the outside. Master of Arms continues to fight on on the inside turning away Rhythm Nick as they hit the 16th pole and Master of Arms kicks on. Master of Arms gate to wire. Master of Arms two wins in a row for him on the Oakland dirt. Rhythm Nick second best. Ram gets up for third and League of Legends was fourth. Unofficially 6-2-4-8 in the sixth race at Oaklawn Park. Master of Arms get he's getting his second consecutive win. Ramon Vasquez aboard today for trainer John Ortiz. About two minutes away from post time for the sixth at Fairgrounds. Let's go out to the phones now. Charles in Mississippi. How are you on the way to Oaklawn, my friend? No, I, I went to Oaklawn today, Bobby, and uh, I, they torched me, buddy. I had to leave there or I would have to be calling you asking for money. I was... I was looking around, and, you know, I was just uh, – I had that look in my eye. You know what I mean? And nobody wants to talk to you like uh, there's a big black cloud over your head. So uh, I'm going to regroup uh, and come and fight tomorrow. 
Yeah, nice hot shower, sit down, nice dinner, open the past performances, and maybe they'll start talking to you, my friend. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know. You know how it is, Bobby. You know, when you're ice cold, baby, there's no sense in fighting it, Bobby. I mean, you know, it's just you, you get a you got, you get an indication if there's no comeback. You know what I mean? I Believe me, pal, I've been there many, many times. Hey, we're going clo- getting close to fairgrounds. Before I let you go, Charles, I, I, can we, can we yeah. beat Timberlake tomorrow? And if we can, who are we using? My, no, no. I, my buddy tells me Timberlake will win the Kentucky Derby. He said he followed him at Saratoga. There's nobody going to touch him tomorrow. He said, if All you right. get even money on Timberlake, take it. All right. I don't think you're going to get even money. He's 6-5 to five on the morning line, but uh, you never You'll know. You'll never see 6-5, uh, Bobby. No, you won't. All right, Charles. Well, uh, hope you have Good better luck tomorrow, my friend. I wish I was out there with you. Yeah, I know, baby. I, I just had to ha- hear a friendly voice, Bobby. Thanks. All right, buddy. Stay safe and good luck tomorrow, my friend. Uh, Charles from Mississippi, always a friend of the show and always a good friend of the folks at Oaklawn Park. And sounds like he didn't have the greatest of days today at the windows. But tomorrow is another day, and uh, maybe uh, we'll see if he's right or if his friend's right, if uh, Timberlake is uh, all that he's cracked up to be, or at least that Charles' friend cracks him up to be over at fairgrounds they're at the gate for the sixth 73 degrees sunny skies main track fast turf course firm are on the dirt for race six distance six furlongs a conditioned five thousand dollar claiming event for phillies and mares non-winners of two races lifetime this is the bottom of the barrel as it were for the racing at fairgrounds a field of nine gathering uh for this bottom level condition claiming event uh number two mahome bread uh, for Brian Williams and Jareth Loveberry, one of the favorites in this race, she always shows speed. Doesn't just doesn't always show stick, uh, but she has, for the most part, been racing against better runners than what she's going to see today. Last time out, she was even money at this level, though. Had a two and a half length lead at the top of the stretch and finished third, beating a neck. So she still ran a good race. But you don't really want to hear about it if you better to win at even money. We'll see what happens today. John Dooley has the call. And they're off. Bo Arts broke sharp. The Royal Blue White halves toward the inside is Mahomebred. And on the far outside, Hey Madeline Clare. Be down to fool around with an early bid. Some charm toward the inside. It's Mahomebred. With Jared LaBerry, the favorite led Mahomebred. Out in front for the run to the half-mile pole from Bo Arts, who's vying for second there with Hey Madeline Clare. Some charm comes up the rail and be down to fool around fifth on the front outside. Sapphire Knights in the yellow silks. And then My Lady Luna with Mally's Monsoon and Perfect Moon Trails. The quarter was 22.19 seconds. Inside three furlongs left. It's Mahomebred. Bo Arts chases the pace. Some term third. Hey, Madeline Claire fourth. Be down to full around Sapphire Knights by Lady Luna Mally's Monsoon. And finally, toward the inside, Perfect Moon. It's Mahomebred first to face the Friday Faithful. These Phillies mares have straightened away the half mile for Mahomebred. 46.06 seconds with Jareth Lubberry. Mahomebred looking to finish them off. Bo Arts continues to charge. Sapphire Knights into third from some term who flattens out. And then Perfect Moon from the backfield. My Lady Luna's next. She spurted away. Mahomebred has left Boarts five lengths back. Mahomebred finishes on top from Boarts. Perfect Moon third and Sapphire Knights finish fourth. Unofficially two, three, seven, four in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. Mahomebred, no mistakes today, gets out on top and just keeps on going, covers the six furlongs in 111 and 2. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, we owe you prices 
for the finale at Gulfstream Park, where it was number two, Shecky Shabazz, getting the job done. He's a nine-year-old Bay Gelding by Kate Blanco out of the Red Ransom mare, Rose Ransom. Boy, there's a name you don't hear very often, Red Ransom. Owned by TEC Racing and trained by Marty Drexler, Tyler Gaffalione, the winning rider on Shecky Shabazz, who paid 11.60, and 3.40. Second one, Destin's Mission, 9.64.60. Third eight, Comedy Town, $3 to show. Fourth number five, Night Jumper, exacta 83.20. The try, 152.40. Dollar Superfecta, $2,147.60. Over at Aqueduct, they're about two minutes away from post time for the seventh race on their Friday card. 45 degrees right now in Jamaica, Queens. Mostly cloudy skies, but the track is fast for the remainder of this Friday card. And the seventh race is a one-turn mile on the fast track. A good allowance optional claiming event for four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of three other than or in for a claiming tag of $80,000. Scratch numbers 1A, 2, 4, 5, and 9. So we just have a field of five going to post. The even money favorite at this point is number six, Law Professor, who, let's face it, we've all heard of Law Professor. He's run in some big-time graded races throughout his career, and he is already uh, a multiple stake winner. Not a multiple graded stake winner, but he's a two-time stakes winner at Aqueduct, having won both the Excelsior and the Queens County uh, last year. So Law Professor is proven. Uh, he's proven against theoretically better than what he's seeing today. He won at this exact same level last time out on a sloppy track at Aqueduct going a mile and an eighth. I guess the only question for Law Professor is whether or not you think that a mile uh, hits him between the eyes because he looks like he may be better suited to a mile and a 16th or a mile and an eighth. Uh, but class-wise, he is strictly the one to beat. Uh, number three, Olympic Dreams is the second choice at two to one. Uh, he has been mostly running in and around this level of allowance competition. He ran behind Law Professor in that allowance race last time out on a sloppy track. He was beaten about three and a half lengths by him that day. Uh, maybe he's a better horse on fast track than he is on slop. Speed figure-wise, you'd say yes. His speed figures on fast tracks are stronger than what they've been on wet tracks, so maybe the move over to the dry track today will be enough for Olympic Dreams to be a thorn in the side of Law Professor this afternoon. Really a stakes-caliber field running under the guise of these allowance conditions as the last few runners going in. Once again, several scratches here, so we're just down to a quintet going the one-turn mile at Aqueduct, waiting on number eight, Guntown, coming off a win against Softer in his most recent start, and Chris Griffin has the call. And they're off. Bit of an awkward start there for Synthesis is the early trailer. Olympic Dreams has early speed, so does Law Professor out wider Gun Town. He's going to track off of these two in third, then Dance Code. After the start, Synthesis is right in behind rivals, is now splitting rivals, wants to challenge for that early lead. As there was a seam there as they hook up with the backstretch, Olympic Dreams is now to the inside of Synthesis, who's in the three path there. Chasing and losing some ground was Law Professor, who's now taken back to third. Just behind them comes Gun Town, and the trailer is Dance Code. They work up the backstretch, 24.66 for the opening quarter mile. Olympic Dreams has got the lead. Synthesis is now more settled in second. Law Professor at 6-5 to five is right in behind the battling duo as they approach a half mile left to go. 
Second to last is still Guntown. The trailer is Dance Code. Olympic Dreams is trying to take them all the way. 48 and 4 for the half mile time. Law Professor is ranging up on the outside. In between horses will be synthesis as the sprint is on now. And here comes Law Professor, ready to challenge Olympic Dreams, who battles right back towards the inside. These two have dispatched of synthesis, who's now back to third, getting past to the inside here from Guntown. The trailer is Dance Code in hand. It's Law Professor Kendrick Carmouche sitting like a statue here at the top of the stretch. And now Law Professor gets the cue to kick for home Olympic Dreams as he does, continues to fight on down towards the inside. But as a clear second, Guntown's trying to rally on from far, far out of it inside the final furlong. Law Professor's trying to put it away. Guntown is running on late, is going to challenge for second. But no doubt, Law Professor wins it easily. It's all Law Professor. Olympic Dreams will hold second. And Guntown in 1 minute 39 and 4. Unofficially 6-3-8-7 in the seventh race at Aqueduct. The favorite Law Professor getting his second straight win. Multiple stakes winner in his career. Uh, really feasting on these allowance foes. These last two starts at Aqueduct. We will get you those prices in just a little bit. We're about two minutes away from the third over at Santa Anita. So while we have a minute, let's get some prices in. We'll get over to Oaklawn Park, where the sixth race on the card went to number six, Master of Arms, a five-year-old bay gelding by Mastery out of the Forest Grove Mare, overvalued, owned by Four Gracing Limited and Ortiz Racing Stable, trained by John Ortiz, Ramon Vasquez in the Irons, Master of Arms, 620, 340, 240. Second two, Rhythm Nick, for $63. Third four, Ram, 240 to show. And fourth was number eight, League of Legends. The Exacta paid $1,250. The Tri, $1,460. Dollar Superfecta, $185.50. Over at Fairgrounds, results of their sixth race have been posted official. Number two, Mahomebred. Going wire to wire, a five-year-old chestnut mare by Runaway and Hyde out of the Sharp Humor Mare Comedy Club. Owned by Nancy Veneer, Lydia Williamson, and others. Brian Williamson, the trainer. Jareth Loveberry, the rider. Mahomebred, 440, 340, and 260. Second, three, Bo Art, 340, three dollars. Third, seven, Perfect Moon, 580 to show. Fourth, number four, Sapphire Knights. The Exacta paid 780, trifecta 2645, dollar super, 556 dollars. And 70 cents. Uh, still not official at Aqueduct. We'll get you those prices in a bit. Santa Anita, they're coming to the gate for race three. Two turn mile on the main track for maiden four and five year olds in for a $20,000 tag, which is the bottom level maidens out at Santa Anita. Scratch number two, Topper's Wager. Field of six going to post, six to five the price on number three, Arrogate's Spirit for Vladimir Sarin. And jockey Diego Herrera, we have not seen Arrogate Spirit run since Ron Moquette was training him back in November of 2022. He was running against Maiden Special Weights in Kentucky at the time. So now barn change, monster layoff, gelded since his last start, and a huge drop in class. The kitchen sink going for Arrogate Spirit. He's your favorite. Here's Frank Miramati. I got a guy out alertly, hard money muchachos up close in the early going, running for Kosi. Arrogate Spirit is the gray moving into contention. Mongolian Spring just behind these horses and tap it down with no early speed is the distant trailer.
Rounding the clubhouse turn in hard money, Muchacho sets the pace with Arrogate Spirit moving in to take second. Down at the rail, I got a guy close up in third. They're followed by running for Kosi. Mongolian Spring is only two lengths off the lead under a stranglehold behind rivals, and it's another three back to tap it down. Five lengths covers them onto the backstretch. Hard money, Muchachos. Dictating terms. There's a little bit of room for I got a guy, and he comes through to try and challenge in second. Arrogate Spirit keeping pace on the outside of him. Then it's Mongolian Spring, fourth, four lengths off the lead, three clear of running for Kosi, and tap it down moves by him. Into the far turn. Hard Money Muchachos has been prominent throughout as Arrogate Spirit turns up the pressure. These two sprint away. And Arrogate Spirit is the new leader at the 5 16ths, quickly putting a half length on Hard Money Muchachos. Tap it down, inches up on the outside of I Got a Guy as the field turns for home. Arrogate Spirit in front. Hard Money Muchachos fights back doggedly along the rail. They pass the eighth pole together. On the inside, it's Hard Money Muchachos and Arrogate Spirit. Arrogate Spirit doing the better work past the 16th pole. He's a half length in front, and it will be Arrogate Spirit and Diego Herrera taking care of business. Hard Money Muchachos fought well, but was second best. Then I got a guy and tap it down. Final time for the mile, not real fast, 139 and 2, but makes no difference to those who bet number three, Arrogate Spirit, as he gets the hard-fought win off that long layoff, big drop in class and equipment change and all that kind of fun stuff. And despite all that, one to two in the final price for number three, Arrogate Spirit. He is the unofficial winner of race three at Santa Anita, 3641, the unofficial top four finishers. All right. We're going to take a break. We owe you prices from Aqueduct. We'll get you those after the break. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita. More live racing coming up from Oaklawn and Fairgrounds. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Daisy was abandoned by her family and placed in foster care at 15 years old. Her life was full of uncertainty. She thought she'd never have a permanent place to call home. Before I was adopted, I felt like I wasn't enough. I had this hole in my heart, and I never knew what I needed to patch that hole. But when my mom asked to adopt me, that hole was closed. It feels so normal now to say that I'm a part of this family. I am surrounded by love. I feel safe. And that hole inside of me is gone. I am whole. I'm finally enough just as I am. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is changing the lives of teenagers at risk of aging out of foster care. Like Daisy, every child deserves a permanent, loving home. You can help. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Did you know half of all cats in the United States don't see a vet on a regular basis? Hi, I'm Kat Dennings, and I love cats. Like, really, really love them. Seriously. 
That's why I'm here to ask you to take your cat to the vet each and every year. I'm working with Royal Canin and Orphan Kitten Club in their program, Mighty Cat, the first brand program in the world to protect and care for newborn kittens. For the Take Your Cat to the Vet initiative, which encourages cat owners across the country to schedule annual vet visits. Since it's tricky to decode our cat's behavior, it is super important to collaborate with your veterinarian to uncover any potential illnesses and learn the signs that something could be wrong. As pet owners, it is our responsibility to make sure cats of all ages have a chance to live a full and happy life by providing the care they need and deserve. Visit orphankittenclub.org forward slash mighty cat to learn more. Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the horse racing radio nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. The field turns for home in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and Hainsville is a five-length lead. Blame running out of ground now with three-sixteenths of a mile to go. Sidon is third on the outside. Final furlong, Hainsfield and Ramon Dominguez. He's like a statue in the stirrups. Hainsfield has crushed his rivals. A worthy front-running winner of the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Odds on blame was second today. Flight on was third. And hold me back was fourth. That was Tom Durkin on the call the year 2010. And the race was the grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup. Won by Hainesfield. Ramon Dominguez in the saddle, I believe, for trainer Steve Asmussen. Field, a very good New York bred, and there's a nice race named in his honor tomorrow out at Aqueduct. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, bringing you live action from around the country. Speaking of the Haynes Field, that's one of 12 races that Bob Nastanovich and I will be previewing in tonight's Amwager Weekend States preview from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we've got the Haynes Field at Aqueduct. We've got all four stakes tomorrow at Oaklawn that we're going to talk about. A couple of uh, interesting stakes down the Mid-Atlantic at Laurel. Uh, stake racing both Saturday and Sunday at Santa Anita. And we'd be remiss if we forgot the world's richest horse race, the Grade 1 Saudi Cup. We will be talking about that as well, part of our Amwager Weekend Stakes preview coming up uh, at 6 p.m. tonight. Back to Haynes Field. Uh, so Hainesfield himself, uh, I forgot how good Hainesfield was. Um, in all, he won 10 of his 19 career, 19 career starts and made uh, over $1.3 million in his career. I forgot that he was a three-time graded stake winner uh, against Open Company. I mean, when when New York bred, let's face it, when any uh, – State breads face open company and win graded stakes. Um, it's something. And, and listen, Hainesfield was much better than your average New York bread. And I'm not saying anything, not trying to downplay New York breads. New York breads are great. 
and better now than they were. I mean, so much better now than they were 10, 20 years ago. They were good back then. Um, I I wonder, and listen, I don't want to get into an argument and and get people to be mad. Um, I think we would all agree that Kentucky stands above everyone else uh, in the United States as far as the breeding goes. I think for a while, uh, Florida was generally considered to maybe be number two. And then, you know, you had arguments whether Maryland and New York um, and California and, you know, who was kind of behind that. Right now, I think we still say Kentucky. I don't know where we would go after Kentucky, but obviously the, the New York breeding program has really made strides and uh, they are they are doing it right up there in New York. And back to Hainesfield, he was a three-time graded stakes winner, not only winning the Jockey Club Gold Cup, but winning the Suburban and the Discovery uh, in 09 and 10. And uh, rightly so, there is a race named in his honor tomorrow at Aqueduct. I believe it will be the, I think they started running the Hainesfield in like 2012. And uh, horses like Mr. Buff and my boy Tate have won it. And last year, Dr. Ardito won the race. And he's back to try to defend his crown. And looks like he actually has a big chance in this year's edition of the Haynes Field. Should be a fun race uh, tomorrow out at Aqueduct. All right. We are uh, five, six minutes away from both Fairgrounds and Oaklawn Park. So we've got a couple minutes to get some prices to you. We'll start over at Aqueduct where the seventh race on the card was basically a stakes-caliber allowance field going a flat mile on the main track, and the favorite number six, Law Professor, came away with the win. He's a six-year-old Dark Bayer Brown gelding by Constitution out of the Ghost Sapper Mare Haunted Heroine, owned by Twin Twin Creeks Racing Stables and trained by Rob Atris, Kendrick Carmouche, the winning rider. Law Professor 442 4210. Second three Olympic Dreams 270 210. Third eight Guntown 240 to show. Fourth number seven Dance Code. The Exacta paid 330. That's $3.30. The Tri $2.85. The Dollar Super paid $25.70. Over at Santa Anita, results of their third race have been posted official. And uh, despite the fact that number three Arrogate Spirit was taking a huge drop in class, hadn't run in over a year, had been gelded since his last start, was shipping basically all the way across the country and changing trainers. He won, and he won as the favorite. Arrogate Spirit, a five-year-old grayer roan gelding by Arrogate out of the Scat Daddy Mare, Melody's Spirit, owned by Slam Dunk Racing, trained by Vladimir Sarin, Diego Herrera, the winning rider. Arrogate Spirit paid $3.210 and two ten. Second six, Hard Money Muchachos, 260, 210. Third four, I Got a Guy, 220 to show. Fourth number one, Tap It Down, the exact 280, the Tri 460. Dollar Superfecta, $11.80. All right, checking where we are at both Fairgrounds and Oaklawn, and it looks like we're about four minutes away from both of them. So hopefully they stay off of each other, but we'll give you a quick preview of both of the races. Seventh race at Fairgrounds. Is about five and a half furlongs on the firm turf course, an allowance optional claiming event for three-year-old fillies, non-winners of one other than, or in for a claiming price of $100,000. And I can tell you that only one of the 11 runners is in for the tag. That's number 11, Cheeky Gal, 11 total in this field. 
Uh, very even betting board with slight favoritism going to number four, Tipsy Runner for Tom Amos and Corey Lannery. Uh, took five starts for this daughter of Omaha Beach to get her maiden win. Came from well off the pace sprinting at fairgrounds on the turf last time out to get up and win by a half a length. And off that hard-fought win, she is the favorite against what you would think would be better competition today. I'm a little bit surprised that she is favored in this spot, but certainly a repeat of her last race would make her one of the ones to beat. Over at Oaklawn Park, they're about three minutes away from the seventh race on their card. Six furlongs the distance here. Four-year-olds and up in for a claiming price of $30,000. Scratch numbers one, two, and four. Even money right now on number nine, Jackman, who is riding a four-race win streak coming into this race today. Uh, three of those wins at Oaklawn against starter allowance competition. Now, uh, what you would think would be a little bit of a softer spot going into this uh, acclaiming event. I'm not really sure that this is an easier spot for Jackman than what he has seen in his last four, but he's usually on or near the pace and figures tough again uh, in that scenario. So we will keep an eye on both Fairgrounds and Oaklawn to see who goes first. Uh, I can tell you we're about 16 minutes away from the fourth at Santa Anita, and we are about 13 minutes away for this race, for the next race over at Aqueduct. So we still got a little bit of time before that, those races. Uh, I can also tell you that following the fourth race at Santa Anita, we will, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by trainer Kenny McPeak. He's going to join us basically right after the top of hour number two. So right around 5.05 Eastern time is when we're going to get to speak with Kenny McPeak, who I think is in the waning stages of uh, getting f- from fairgrounds to Oakland. What a long drive that is. Kenny McPeak just won his 2,000th race. Maybe somebody should give him a private jet. Somebody should fly him up there. He runs so many horses at both of these places. These tracks should be very happy to foot the bill on a, on a, on a plane for Kenny McPeak and others like him uh, to go back and forth so they can uh, saddle their runners and see their horses run. Uh, okay, still following both Oaklawn and Fairgrounds, and they're they're going to run. I I really hope they don't run on top of each other. I think if they if they do run on top of each other, since this is a higher level allowance type race, we'll stick with Fairgrounds. Um, I hate to choose between the two. It's uh, the purses are basically the same in these races, but the purses are so gigantic at Oakland. Uh, they can be running, you know, lower to mid-level claiming races and still running for monstrous purses. I mean, it's just what a game changer it is claiming wise, you know, with the purses they have at places like Oakland and at Churchill and even in New York to some degree uh, with either uh, instant racing or slots or casino money. Uh, I mean, this upcoming race at Oaklawn, race number seven, a 30000 just straight $30,000 claiming race with a $60,000 purse, which means the winner of the race will make more in purse money than the $30,000 tag. I mean, it, it, it may, it's no wonder that the claim box is just, it's just filled beyond belief at Oaklawn Park. People, it's just, it's, I'm not going to say it's an easy game claiming at Oakland because claiming game is not easy, but it's not as difficult as it was 20 years ago where you're sitting there and think, you know, now, I mean, 
you can claim and run right back or claim and drop off a claim depending on where you are. And if somebody wants to claim yours, that's fine because you're making so much money off the purse. You know, the, the, the hit you might take from, you know, getting a horse claimed for two or three or $5,000 less than what you claimed him or her for doesn't mean anything. I mean, you're, you're basically renting these horses for two or three weeks if all goes, if all goes well. It's really a different game these days. And uh, if you ever have a chance, I mean, just look at what, what they have some shakes. And when I say shakes, it's when more than one person uh, tries to claim a horse. So they have to shake basically in, instead of flipping a coin, shaking. And they'll have shakes that have 20, 25, 30 different people in for them at Oakland Park. It's, I mean, it's hilarious how, how many people claim horses there. Purses are just so good. It's such a different game. All right. They have arrived at the gate at Oakland Park. They have arrived at the gate at Fairgrounds. So we're going to keep an eye on both. If they go around the same time, then we'll stick with Fairgrounds. If one is going to go significantly ahead of the other. And actually, right now, Oakland is loading very fast. So as of now, we're going to stick with Oakland. We may be able to get you most of the Fairgrounds race as well. Oakland race seven, they're all in the gate. And uh, we're off. Jackman wastes no time. He's on the lead in the early stages, has about a three-quarter length edge. Now it's a half length. Tropic Storm moving up to come and apply the heat. Air Combat not far off. T-Burns on the outside. Advancing position. Jackman with a narrow lead. T-Burns hooks up with him. And those two speed away to a two-length edge. Air Combat running in third. Tropic Storm to the outside of him. A length and a half to 357. Upstriker, they run as a pair. They're three better than Ultimate. And Nicolau is at the back as they hit the four-turn run. T-Burns really turning up the heat here on Jackman, who's going to have to work for it today, it appears. They went very fast, too. 22 flat with that very contentious pace in mind. And these two are still locking horns. It's been a match race for the last half mile or so. Quarter mile remains. Jackman, T-Burns on the outside right there. Air Combat switches outside. He's got a shot to run down the top pair. T-Burns struggles. Jackman kicks on. Air Combat on the outside trying to reel in Jackman, the favorite who has about 100 yards to go. A length and a half in front. Air Combat still chasing. Jackman determined. Jackman, Christian Torres. Jackman, that's five wins in a row for Jackman, and he is the first four-time winner at the Oaklawn meet. Air Combat was second home. Let's quickly get over to Fairgrounds. They're at the eighth pole, race seven. And south. Regal Rumor, Tipsy uh, on the far outside, gaining ground. Tipsy Runner as they come past the 16th. It's still Foxy Cleopatra. Foxy Cleopatra, Copper Random, Tipsy Runner out of time. Foxy Cleopatra for a Jareth Ludbury triple. Tipsy Runner gained second from Copper Ram third. That Fleet Frost, Regal Rumor, spin the breeze by us. Halo. Cheeky Galbeat, a few home, integrated design, wonder of you, and play good, pay good, trailed home. Unofficially 5-4-9 in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Those races didn't go at exactly the same time, but mostly the same time. We'll give you a quick red board of both of them. First over at Fairgrounds, number five, Foxy Cleopatra getting the job done at odds of 5-1. to one. Uh, Winning easily over number four, Tipsy Runner, who ends up going off the second choice in the wagering. They bet down number one, Fleet Frost. For Mike Stidham and Ben Curtis and Fleet Frost really didn't run uh, great. Ended up finishing fourth uh, in the in the race, beating about five lengths or so. Take nothing away from the winner, Foxy Cleopatra. 
<clears throat> who had only raced one time in her career. It was on the synthetic track at Presque Isle Downs last June uh, when she was bet down to 4-5 to five for trainer Larry Ravelli and uh, ended up getting the job done in one of those four-and-a-half furlong races as a two-year-old filly coming from off the pace to win by a half a length. Don't know what happened to Foxy Cleopatra that so we didn't see her from that two-year-old debut win until uh, now February of her three-year-old year, but uh, obviously proved that she's a filly with talent and proved that she obviously is uh, is a filly that is versatile, not only winning on synthetic uh, on synthetic surface, but winning on turf today at Fairgrounds and covering the five and a half furlongs, or as I should I should say, about five and a half furlongs, in 103 and four, uh, getting the job done very impressively over at Oaklawn Park. It was a tenacious win by the favorite, number nine, Jackman. You heard it there in the call. Now his fifth consecutive win, 9-7-11-3, the top four finishers. Jackman, this may have been the most impressive of the five wins. It wasn't the easiest of the five wins, but he really had to deal with number 10, T. Burns, more than I thought, think he wanted to in the early stages. They both were intent on the lead, neither one really wanting to give an inch 22 flat, 45 and three, the opening quarter and half respectively. Uh, top of the stretch, Jackman kept going. T-Burns threw out the anchor. Looked like long shot number seven air combat with Keith Asmussen aboard. Had a chance to run down the favorite, and he ran well. He just simply was second best. He's not really a stone closer. He's more of a stalking type. And speed figure-wise, uh, none of the races that air combat has run in a long, long time, have come close to what Jackman has been running recently. Now, I will say that Air Combat, if you dive deep into his past performances, you could find some efforts that would make him very tough in this spot. Uh, but even though he had every chance and it looked like the pace scenario set perfectly for him, he just simply was second best today to Jackman, who gets the job done. And I think the prices may already be in. So we go over to Oaklawn Park and we check. Yep, prices are up. And the seventh race at Oaklong goes to the favorite number nine, Jackman, a six-year-old chestnut gelding by Munnings out of the Congrats Mayor Richwood, owned by Endzone Athletics and trained by Carl Broberg. Christian Torres uh, in the irons on Jackman, who paid $463 and $240. Second seven, Air Combat, $9, 480 Third 11, Ultimate, 340 to show. Fourth number three, 357 Exact at 2840 the try $50.15. Dollar Super, $676.10. Over at Fairgrounds, results are in for their seventh race. And the winner, number five, Foxy Cleopatra, three-year-old Dark Bayer Brown filly by Munnings out of the big brown mare, one Foxy Gray, owned by Patricia's Hope and Richard Raven. Larry Ravelli trains Jareth Loveberry in the irons. Foxy Cleopatra, $13.20, and $5.00. Second four, Tipsy Runner, 520, 360. Third nine, Copper M, 440 to show. Fourth number one, Fleet Frost. Exacta 2870, the trifecta 8230. Dollar Super, $975.90. Over at Aqueduct, uh, they're getting close to post time for the eighth and final race on the card. Maiden New York bred three-year-olds uh, in for a $25,000 tag. They will sprint six furlongs, field of eight. Gathering for this race, and right now number six, Lil Lang, 
is the even money favorite for Jorge Abreu and jockey Lane Luzzi. This horse, uh, first time in the Abreu barn after running twice against maiden special weight competition for Jose D'Angelo uh, just a few months ago. Been showing speed and getting a little bit tired against what you would think would be tougher competition. Those state-bred maiden special weights now in for a tag for the first time. So drops in class, blinkers come off for the first time, Lasix goes on for the first time. A lot of, de- lot of changes for Lil Lang. Jorge Abreu overall, very solid trainer, but not having a very good uh, start to the season here at Aqueduct. I think only winning uh, at about a 5% clip. Two out of his first 38 that he sent to the track during this uh, current Aqueduct meet have gotten the money, and uh, I'm sure they are desperately work looking for another win. So they are approaching the starting gate at Aqueduct. After this, we'll head to Santa Anita, where they're about five minutes away from their fourth race. Then after the Santa Anita race, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll go to the phones and talk to trainer Kenny McPeak, all coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But still plenty of racing before we get to the interview, and they're at the gate for this finale at Aqueduct, four to five. Now the price on number six, Lil Lang, who has been uh, showing speed and fading against what looks like better competition. Um, You don't see this very often. There was an even money shot on the morning line, and it's not the horse who's 4-5 to right now. Number four, profitability, uh, is 0-5 coming into this race and has fired some speed figures that would certainly put him right there, if not make him the one to beat. He is uh, a definition of a lobster on the board at 5-2 to two as they go into the starting gate. So uh, profitability is cold in the wagering right now, but speed figures say that he's got a big chance. I guess if you're a profitability fan, you're getting a much better price than you thought you were, you were going to get. Last few runners going in, including number 8, Frankie R to the outside gate with Ruben Silvera aboard. Chris Griffin has the finale at the Big A. Profitability has early speed from in-between horses, very tightly bunched. They all want the front end. Profitability has now been passed by Jefferson's Ocean towards the outside. Lil Lang is in that early mix, and now Jefferson's Ocean at 46 to 1 is up by a full length. Right up alongside now, here's Lil Lang is tracking in second, still a lineup in behind them. Drinking Solo is trying to progress his three wide. Down at the inside, there comes Go Grad, who's in fourth, and Profitability's back for more. Splitting rivals from the fifth spot is about to challenge for third, and now takes that third position away, is now ahead in front, as a new leader is the four-to-five favorite in Little Lang. 24 seconds flat for the opening quarter mile, second to last is swept in the trailer. Frankie R. It's Little Lang who's trying to run away with it right now. Little Lang has got the lead, approaches a quarter mile left to go, and is two lengths in front. Profitability is Fully extended here from second. Jefferson's Ocean's trying to hold on for a minor. Up on the outside is Go Grad. They're rallying on there with drinking solo from far, far out of it. Little Lang is trying to fend off Profitability, who continues to chase for a final furlong. It's still Little Lang doing it nicely enough. Profitability can't cut into the margin. These two, well clear of the rest. Inside the final 16th, it's Little Lang for Lane Luzzy in the finale. Little Lang wins it over Profitability. Then came Frankie R. And drinking solo. In one minute, 15.49 seconds. 
Unofficially 6-4-8-7 in the finale at Aqueduct. The favorites run 1-2 in the race, and it's the big favorite, number 6, Lil Lang, who wins off handily covering the six furlongs in the sluggish 1-15-2, but nonetheless getting the win and unofficially the finale at Aqueduct. Over at Santa Anita, they are approaching the starting gate for race four on their Friday card. Six and a half furlongs on the main track. It's an allowance optional claiming event for three-year-old fillies, non-winners of one other than or in for a claiming tag of $100,000. Scratch number one, Madison Ray. Leaves us with a field of six going to post in this race. Number six, Black Pink is the favorite for Phil D'Amato and jockey Kazushi Kimura. Black Pink has raced once in her career. It was on a synthetic track at Dundalk in Ireland uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, She won that race by almost three lengths, beating 13 others while doing it. Uh, So now Black Pink, uh, I would assume, has been purchased privately. I don't think that Little Red Feather Racing and others owned her when she won that race in Ireland. So uh, assuming that she's been purchased since that race and shows up at Santa Anita and shows up on the main track at Santa Anita, a daughter of Sioux Nation out of a Dunkirk mare, uh, looking at her works on the main track at Santa Anita, Looks like she likes it just fine. In fact, her last two works at Santa Anita, both five furlong drills listed in 59 and 2. And before you get too excited about this, this is kind of a a, a little bit of a, a peeve of mine. Just because a horse works 59 and change going five furlongs doesn't mean they worked well. You know, did were, was she all out? to go 59-2, and two, or was she under a complete stranglehold and basically just kind of let run the last eighth of a mile to go 59-2? and two? There are different ways of going 59-2, and two, but time-wise, uh, it certainly doesn't look like Blackpink hates the main track at Santa Anita. It, it, she, she either doesn't mind it or likes it, and that's probably why she's on the dirt and not trying the turf for her North American debut. She is the 9-5 to five favorite right now on the board. Uh, number three, Tambo, was 9-5 to five on the morning line and is second choice right now at 2-1 to one for Pete Erton and Antonio Frazu. Uh, Tambo has uh, never been out of the money in five career tries running on dirt in Southern California. And plain and simply, she has been running against tougher competition than what she is going to see today. Her last three starts... In fact, her last four starts were all against stakes competition, including a third-place finish in the Grade 3 Santa Inez last time out. Now, uh, she ran behind Copion that day, and she was 10 lengths behind Copion. Copion would be 1-20 to if she were in this race today, but it's not like Tambo was right behind her. She was 10 lengths behind her at the line. That Still, uh, she was running against better than what she's going to see today. Number two, Dua is an interesting one here for Bob Baffert. Dua, you may remember, uh, has graded stakes experience as well. In fact, uh, she ran in the grade three Sorrento as a two-year-old filly at Del Mar last summer, and she ran in the Chandelier, race formerly known as the Oakleaf, uh, during the October season uh, down at uh, Santa Anita. I keep wanting to say the oak tree season, but it's not the oak trees. It, that's the time of year when the oak tree meet at Santa Anita was, Uh, but the Oak Tree Racing Association now no longer does business with Santa Anita or vice versa. I don't know what it is, but uh, whatever it is, I think the Oak Tree season is at Pleasanton now. Is that that right? Do they run an Oak Tree 
meet at Pleasanton? I know they have. I don't know if they regularly do it, but I know they have. Uh, anyway, uh, that's where they are. So uh, they're approaching the starting gate for the fourth race at Santa Anita. Intriguing allowance optional claiming event for the three-year-old Phillies, and they have arrived at the gate now. And after this, we will go to break, and we'll come back and speak with Kenny McPeak, I believe live from his way from fairgrounds to Oaklawn, where he's going to have a uh, a big Saturday on tap tomorrow. Well, he's he's going to have a busy Saturday. Whether it's a big Saturday, that's to be that that we will find out in about 24 hours. It's going to be a busy Saturday for sure tomorrow. If uh, I think he's got horses in about eight different races at Oaklawn tomorrow, so I'm uh, glad he's going to take the time for us to uh, discuss some of his uh, higher profile runners. Uh, when we come back after the break. All in for the fourth at Santa Anita. Here's Frank Miramati. And they're off. Don't Bring Crazy is going out for the early lead. Tambo and Dua coming through along the inside, but it's a very compact group. Two lengths covers all of them as Tambo comes through and is now on even terms, takes a narrow lead from Don't Bring Crazy. Dua along the fence in third. Black Pink is fourth, but just two lengths off the battle. Then it's Beau Soleil and Hattie T. They have a half mile to run. Tambo and Don't Bring Crazy racing together as one with Dua two lengths back in third. Then comes Black Pink in fourth on the outside. A length to Beau Soleil. Hattie T is tailed off. Three furlongs out. Don't bring crazy by a neck now over Tambo. These two have been dueling. Three and a half in front of Dua third. Followed by Black Pink in fourth. And then Beau Soleil. They have passed the quarter pole and turned from Don't Bring Crazy just in front at the rail. Tambo fighting bravely in second. Dua on the inside. Far outside is Blackpink and inside of them, Beau Soleil. Tambo and Don't Bring Crazy. Neither one giving an inch. Don't Bring Crazy. Tambo, Tambo, Don't Bring Crazy. They come for the wire together and Tambo prevails. Out running, don't bring crazy. It was a distance to Beausoleil in front of Blackpink and Dua. Speed duel around the track from number three, Tambo. Number four, don't bring crazy. But they just kept on going and going and going. And in the end, number three, Tambo, Antonio Frazu aboard, gutting out the win for trainer Pete Erton. Final time for the six and a half furlongs, 116 and one. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we know Yo-Yo Price is from Aqueduct. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita. More live racing from Oaklawn and Fairgrounds. But first, we're going to talk to trainer Kenny McPeak, who's got a big Saturday tomorrow at Oaklawn Park. It's Betting with Bobby on HRRN. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college... learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Woohoo! Snarly move, Dad. 
Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. James Brown and Bill Cowra welcoming you back to Dennis Melvin's house. It's time for the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Sticking to healthy habits in this kitchen is going to take focus and determination, but it can be done, JB. He's already entered the snack part of the course, and he's eyeballing a jar of chocolatey candy. That is tempting right off the start. Uh-oh. He's reaching, Bill, but he pushes it away. Great stiff arm. He's approaching a plate of delicious-looking iced cookies. Oh, Dennis, you only want one of those. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge. It's make or break time, JB. He stares down some rich-looking treats. Uh-oh. Looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait, he jukes left, grabs the water bottle, and shuts the door with his elbow in record time. Unbelievable move. I gotta see that again. And he's out. He even turned off the light. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand Up to Cancer and Rally want you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And here they come into the stretch of the Rebel. And it is Purge and Smarty Jones right together battling for that lead. Pro Prado is third. Mr. Jester is fourth, followed by Cryptograph. And now Smarty Jones takes command. Purge drops back to second. Pro Prado is third, but it is Smarty Jones. In full stride and pulling away, he's one step closer to $5 million. Marty Jones, the winner by three and a half lengths over Purge, who ran second, and Pro Prado was third. Ah, the voice of Terry Wallace 20 years ago, the 2004 edition of the Rebel Stakes won by Smarty Jones. He would go on to win the Arkansas Derby, the Kentucky Derby, and the Preakness Stakes. And this year's Rebel Stakes is part of a four-stake extravaganza tomorrow at Oaklawn Park. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby. Pleased to be joined now by a gentleman who'd love to be in the winner's circle following tomorrow's edition of the Rebel, trainer Kenny McBeak. Ken, thanks for so much for taking the time. My pleasure. First of all, Ken, want to congratulate you on your 2000th win. I did not realize you were that close to a milestone. Did you know that you it was upon you when you got to it at Turfway Park the other night? Yeah, a lot of people have been tracking it. You didn't realize I was that old either, did you? <laughs> I didn't say that, so, buddy. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I've been at it a while. You know, we've been just kind of grinding away. And, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a nice number. Um, I think there's a good possibility we could knock out 3,000 
before I hang it up. But um, we're, you know, just relishing the moment and going to keep rolling. Well, we, we certainly have been following you most of your career and obviously uh, very happy on your behalf that uh, you got to that milestone. And wishing you a lot of luck this weekend. It looks like you're going to have a lot of chances at Oaklawn Park. Seems like you got horses basically in almost every race that they're running on the Saturday card, including all three of the graded stakes, starting with the grade three honeybee, which goes as race number nine. Uh, you're going to saddle the second choice on the morning line, Band of Gold, who is coming off a nice win in the Martha Washington last time out. Yeah, really really pleased with um, her effort that last race. Um, I do think that that race somewhat set up for uh, looked to me like in the paddock when I was eyeballing the competition, a lot of them were sprinter types and she's a filly with a lot of leg to her. And, you know, Brian, as he's done so many times for me, bided his time and waited and made, made a big run late and, and she was able to scoop up the big prize. And, you know, this week, I think it's going to be a little more difficult. There's better fillies in there and, um, whether we get that kind of pace scenarios out of our control, but she's doing well. Well, Brian Hernandez Jr. rides Band of Gold for you in the Honey Bee. He's also going to ride one of your two runners in the Grade 3 Razorback, which goes as the 10th race tomorrow. You saddle both Frosted Departure with Ramon Vasquez up and Escapeologist, a long shot with Brian Hernandez aboard. Uh, Frosted Departure, I think, is a horse that's become a little bit of a fan favorite. He's only had 20 starts in his career, but it seems like he's been running for 10 years. Almost all of these big races over the last four or five years, it seems like Frosted Departure has been in or around them. How's he coming into the race? Well, he's coming into it great. You know, he seems to be a horse. If things go his way, then, then he's he's really good, and, and if they don't, then... Um, he's got to, you know, he kind of folds up and he's got to go to the next one, but he's a lovely horse to be around. Um, he changed hands this past, uh, fall. Um, he was sold at auction. And then one of my other clients actually purchased the horse at auction and, uh, handed him right back to me. So that was nice. And, um, you know, we're, we're outside chance in that race with him. I mean, we actually have kind of the, the engine in the caboose and the frosted departures of the speed of the race. And, escapologist is the is the deep closer so that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds when you have these horses who have been running against allowance types recently and looking at a graded stake like a razorback what goes into your decision to say hey you know this is the time that we need to try the better company or maybe we should hold back and wait for another allowance to fill this race didn't come up very tough this year, in my opinion. It doesn't seem that there are a lot of big-time shippers coming in. I think the older horse division itself is a little diluted, and there's a lot of people in the race taking taking a shot. Um, you know, um, yeah, like I said, there's not, there's not a horse in the race that you would shiver in your shoes. So I do think it's wide open, and, you know, that's a lot, a lot of money there, $600,000 to um, turn your nose up at, and in, in, in some cases, it might be a really more of like a listed or even allowance-type field. 
Uh, speaking of a lot of money, there's a whole lot of money on the line in the Grade 2 Rebel tomorrow at Oakland. Not only $1.25 million the purse, but a lot of Kentucky Derby qualifying points. The winner gets 50 points, which basically means that the winner of the Rebel will be guaranteed a spot first Saturday in May at Churchill Downs, if that's where they want to be. Big field of 13 in the Rebel, probably going to be a big favorite in Brad Cox's Timber Lake. You've got a couple up-and-comers in Northern Flame and Common Defense. Starting with Northern Flame, he looked really good last time out over the track in an allowance race. Yeah, you know, he uh, he was able to have a nice, easy lead and then fought another horse off to the wire, but if he can tag that race back with another and maybe even a little more improvement, then he fits in there for sure. And, um, you know, this is a big, handsome colt. Um, he was sold in Saratoga and, and really, really on the physical, he's a lot of horse. So he's going to get a chance to prove himself. And then I've got another horse in there, Common Defense, that ran in the slop last time. And I originally was going to take him to Kentucky and run him in the in the Bataglia or the Spiral, because I do think he's got a turf, kind of a turf move and a foot and pedigree because he's by Caracani. But um, I decided to go ahead and give him another shot in the Rebel off his last workout. He worked super at the fairgrounds, and I thought, well, okay, you know, he's probably deserving of a chance, and let's, uh, you know, give him one more dance. And we could always go back to the synthetic by running it in the Spiral um, in March. Speaking with trainer Kenny McPeak, who just got his 2,000th lifetime training win uh, a few days ago. He's got several runners in the Saturday card at Oakland Park. You're also running one at Fairgrounds, and I know that you kind of shuttle back and forth between the two. How do you decide, when it, especially when it comes to these big three-year-old races, which of your horses is going to run where, whether they're going to stay at Oaklands, go to the Fairgrounds, vice versa, things like that? It's really difficult sometimes. Um you know, um, historically, I, I was a Gulfstream Park trainer for, for decades. I mean, I spent most of my time in South Florida since probably the mid-'90s and, and really um, missed the weather to some extent. But logistically, it's a lot easier for me to rotate horses between Oakland to the fairgrounds, fairgrounds to Oakland, because it's not a terribly difficult ship for the horses. So. So, um, you know, you, you work through the condition books and you try to figure out what works. Um, you know, Oakland's at a bit of an advantage because their purse structure is massive right now. Um, Fairgrounds, I think it's one of the greatest tracks in, in America to train over, race over. Um, and we've made about an equal number of starts between the two tracks over the course of the winter. And I think that'll that'll probably play out about the same. We've got nice divisions at both and like right now i'm halfway through or halfway between the two headed to oakland for racing to this afternoon and tomorrow kenny a horse that is notably missing from this year's rebel is your trainee mystic dan who was so impressive in winning the southwest stakes last time out at oakland park uh where is he and how did you decide to skip the rebel with him he's at he's at the fairgrounds right now um he trained at the fairgrounds going into the southwest um his southwest race for me was just ultra impressive um 
you know, we knew he would fire a big shot, but he fired a huge one. And then, you know, he's a smaller horse. And um, I had run him back quick one other time, and it, and it knocked him back pretty good. He didn't handle the, the turnaround real fast. And he, he may have gone through some sort of virus or a small lung infection, but that uh, that didn't work coming back quickly. And in this case, we, we'd almost decided even before we ran in the – southwest that we were going to skip the rebel and wait for the arkansas derby but this horse has got huge amount of talent fantastic minded um just a, a real classy colt to be around and um i think arkansas derby you know look he's gotta he's gotta punch some points out but um i feel pretty confident he'll do it just waiting for arkansas derby well, Kenny, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a very busy man, and having to do that shuttling between fairgrounds and Oaklawn and vice versa is uh, uh, certainly not an easy thing to do, especially behind the wheel of a car. But we wish you the best of luck uh, with everyone you're running tomorrow at Oaklawn and hope to see you in Kentucky for Saturday in May. Sounds good. Hope I'm there. All right, Kenny McPeak, always very gracious with his time, and uh, hope he drives safe, and uh, he's got to get to Oaklawn for the finale. We've got to get to Oaklawn now for the eighth race on the card. They're in the gate or loading in for this six-furlong allowance event, four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime, a field of seven after the scratch at number four, Lundberg. Here's the eighth at Oaklawn. And uh, fly off. Distorted Pro Raging. The two inside runners broke the sharpest, and they're going to dispute the early lead. Raging taking control of things. Distorted Pro inside takes back to second. Raging with a clear lead. Opens up a length and a half on Distorted Pro. Trackmate and Code 5. Those three all stretched across the track now. Zambezi is next. Media Mogul in the middle. And B-Sud inside of that pair. A compact group separated by maybe four or five lengths here. As they hit the far turn, Raging first start against winners. Leads the way, and I'll tell you what, for his backers. They've got to be happy on what they see because he's gotten everything his own way to this point. No excuses for Raging. He rounds the far turn, a length and a quarter ahead. Trackmate chasing second. Distorted Pro has had enough. Media Mogul attempts to advance position on the inside as a joint third with Distorted Pro off the turn. And then B-Sud Zambezi coming down the lane. Trackmate right up alongside to Raging, who's back in second on the fence, has lost the lead, tries to come back. Media Mogul switching outside. Zambezi BZ and B Sutter next. Trackmate with a 16th to go goes on. Media Mogul, it's a gray exacta, and Trackmate has the edge. Media Mogul had to take up late, and Trackmate's going to win. Trackmate over Media Mogul, and then Zambezi, B Sud fourth. Unofficially 3786 in the eighth race at Oakland Park, number three. Trackmate at 15 to 1, the longest price by far on the board, gets the win and win handily for the team of Nick Juarez and Wayne Lucas. You may have heard it there in the call. Well, a few things with the call. First of all, uh, late in the game after he said it was going to be a gray exacta, uh, track announcer Matt Dinnerman saying that number seven media mogul uh, had to take up and uh, check behind the leader. That is true. Uh, it looked to me like the leader was well clear at the time. In fact, 
they just showed it again. The leader was a length and a half in front of the horse who took up late. So I, I don't know if that was some acting or maybe Ramon Vasquez just got a little bit nervous on Media Mogul, but there won't be any change regarding that because uh, it was nearing the wire and the horse was a length and a half clear. The other thing that was kind of funny was almost immediately when the announcer said that the people who backed Raging have got to be happy right now, that was the end of Raging. Done. Completely stopped running, and uh, not only uh, not a contender for the win at any uh, you know down the lane, but uh, finished well out of the money despite being the two to one favorite and getting that clear early lead three seven eight six. The unofficial order of finish for that eighth race at Oakland. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. Speaking of prices, and by the way, the inquiry sign is on the board at Oakland. So my guess is they're going to look at the stretch run and they'll look at it for about twenty seconds and do nothing. I'd be shocked if they did something here. Uh, Okay, over at Aqueduct, uh, eighth and final race on the card was won by the favorite, number six, Lil Lang. He's a three-year-old bay colt by Tapature out of the midshipman mare, positively Gene, owned by Corms Racing Stable and trained by Jorge Abreu. Lane Luzzi, the winning rider on Lil Lang, who paid 380, 210, and 220. Those prices are okay. Second four, profitability, 260, 220. Third eight, Frankie R, 390 to show. Fourth number seven, drinking solo, exact at $2.55. The try, 11.70. Dollar super, $55.50. I said the prices are okay. Uh, you don't have to be old to remember this, but you need to be older. Uh, certainly, if you're my age or older, you remember this. Back when. Uh, there was things like the national race before the internet. Let's put it that way. When you used to call in and get the stretch ru- stretch results or like the, the national race line or you'd call like a tracks number and they'd give you results. Anytime the show price was bigger than the place price or the place price was bigger than the win price, whoever was giving you the results would say, those prices are okay, which is telling you that, hey, I'm not an idiot. Yes, I realize I told you the show price is bigger than the place price. Those prices are accurate. Those prices are okay. So I, it's a habit of mine. Whenever when I, when I read like 380, 210, 220, those prices are okay. I, I just say it that way. Uh, over at Oakland, by the way, they're still looking at the stretch run. And um, it's good that they're looking at it. I just don't think they're going to do anything uh, when it comes down to it. But I'll let you know uh, in, as soon as they make a decision. Over at Santa Anita, fourth race was one be- run before we went to break. And the winner was number three, Tambo. She's a three-year-old Bay Philly by Enticed out of the Flatter Mare Flatter Me First. Owned by Hames, McCadden, or Strauss and others. Peter, the trainer. Antonio Frazu, the rider. Tambo paid $583.220. Second, four, Don't Bring Crazy, $340.280. Third, five, Beau Soleil, $540 to show. Fourth, number six, Black Pink. The Exacta paid $780. The Tri, $5190. Super, $149.00. And 70 cents over at Oakland. Somehow the inquiry sign is still up. Maybe the stewards are now up. The inquiry and objection signs are now up. Now, the only thing that would make this a little bit better is if they were actually flashing the numbers of the horses that were involved. But they're not. The only thing flashing is a sign that says unofficial slash inquiry slash objection. And they're, the video crew is rewinding it, and they're only rewinding it to the point where the seven had this phantom checking off heels. I mean, this is You want to talk about, I mean, that DQ of the Reeves horse who 
uh, ran second in the half-million-dollar stake at Aqueduct a couple months ago and uh, where they should have taken the winner down, but they took the second horse down, no, and nobody has any idea how that happened. You think that was a bad takedown. If they take this one down, it might be the worst takedown in the history of racing. And it looks like they're not doing anything. All right, what took so long? Really? Did they, they needed to take that long to show us that they were looking at it? I mean, that, t- that takes... That literally takes one look at it to realize nothing happened. All right, so the inquiry and objection signs have been removed, but they haven't actually done anything as far as making the race official uh, over there. Uh, Folks, tickets for the 41st running of the Breeders' Cup World Championships can be held November 1st and 2nd at Del Mar will go on sale Monday, April 22nd. Fans can sign up to receive ticket information at breederscup.com forward slash 2024. The 2024 World Championships will feature 14 grade one races and $31 million in purses and awards as fans from around the globe gather to celebrate the world's best horses, jockeys, trainers, competing over two days in racing's most spectacular international showcase. Located on the shores of the Pacific Ocean in San Diego County, Del Mar is unique in its picturesque natural backdrop, while the surrounding area attracts visitors from around the world in pursuit of top-class racing, beautiful beaches, award-winning cuisine, and boutique hotels. You can also find a Motel 6 or a Howard Johnson's if you really want to. Breeders' Cup Experiences is the official ticket, hospitality, and travel package provider for the 2024 Breeders' Cup World Championships at Del Mar. Fans can visit the Breeders' Cup Experiences website, which conveniently is called breederscupexperiences.com, for more information. So that's where you learn about the experiences. If you want to get more info about tickets for this year's Breeders' Cup, breederscup.com forward slash 2024. Uh, over at Oaklawn Park, uh, surprisingly, they made no change. And I should say not surprisingly. They made no change. Remember the horse, not surprising? He was a, he was a nice sprinter. He was a nice sprinter. Uh, no change over at Oaklawn Park in the eighth race where number three trackmate is now the official winner, a four-year-old grayer roan colt by Union Rags out of the AP Indymare teammate owned by Calumet Farm, trained by Wayne Lucas with Rafael Bejarano actually on the pickup mount. Trackmate, 3260, 13.40, 5.60. Second seven, Media Mogul, $5, $3. Third eight, Zambezi, $2.80 to show. Fourth number six, B Sud. The exacta paid $80.80. The try, $193.45. Super, $808.70. Next live race comes from Santa Anita Park, and it's about two minutes away. One mile on the firm, or I should say on the turf course labeled good today. They had a lot of rain last weekend, especially on Monday. And they even had a little bit more during the week. And I think there was a question whether they would even be on the turf at all today. Uh, they are on the turf. It's not quite firm. So they're running on a turf course rated good, which is news in itself, I guess, with things the way they go uh, out at Santa Anita these days. But a mile of the distance here. Uh, this is a starter allowance optional claiming event. Phillies and mares either running under starter allowance conditions or in for a claiming tag of $50,000. Scratch number three, 
Uh, Etheric, who would have been one of the favorites in this race, field of six going to post now, and it's number six. We miss Grammy for Pete Erton and Antonio Frazu. Seemed like they win every race today. Uh, currently three to two on the board. We miss Grammy has been running against the same level of competition each of her last three starts. She has a second, a fifth, and a third place finish to her credit. So uh, running good races, yet not punching through for the win. Speed figure-wise, it looks like any of her last three starts would certainly make her very, very tough to beat in this race today. She comes from a little bit off the pace, as does number one, Mahina, for Patty Gallagher and Umberto Rispoli. Mahina is coming out of a similar type of race last time out. Uh, where she finished third. That was on New Year's Day at Santa Anita. She's another one that uh, likes to come from off the pace. She's been showing no speed with blinkers on. They're actually going to take the blinkers off today. Who knows how far back she's going to be. Usually the blinker, you know, not always, but uh, the general thinking is that the blinkers on get you a little bit more attentive and maybe a little bit closer in the early going, and the blinkers off usually uh, more often than not is when they're trying to get you to settle down and maybe not be so keen in the early going. Well, I don't know. I think they're just searching for anything with Mahina because she doesn't have any early speed, and that's with blinkers. Um, and she hasn't been running poorly. She's just been, you know, mostly second, third, fourth, things like that. But they have arrived at the starting gate for this fifth race at Santa Anita. I should mention the third choice in the wagering is number two, Sunglasses, a first time in the country from Great Britain for this uh, daughter of Ifraj, who has uh, run twice on turf, twice on synthetic surfaces uh, against uh, lower-level kind of runners over in the U.K. Her most recent start was in early part of November and uh, has been training at Golden Gate for trainer Manny Badia since her arrival here uh, in North America. Ships down to South, uh, South, ships down to uh, SoCal for her North American debut, if you will. And uh, she's in, as well as everybody else. Here's Frank Miramati. We Miss Grammy is going out for the early lead. Adelie up close in the opening furlong. No way it's today comes through on the fence. A very tough to handle sunglasses is under a tight hold on the inside of Warrior Lady. Mahina is at the back of the field. Around the clubhouse turn. And it's We Miss Grammy with an easy lead of a length and a half. Adelie races second. Down at the rail, no way it's today. Sunglasses tugs up on the outside, and she's keen to go, taking second at the back of the field, Warrior Lady and Mahina. Down the back stretch, and it's We Miss Grammy and Sunglasses. Sunglasses on the outside, just in front now. No way it's today. Two and a half off the pace in third. Adelie just outside of her. Then Mahina and Warrior Lady. Sunglasses takes them into the far turn with a narrow edge. We miss Grammy at the rail, just a head away second. Three more, no way, it's today. Ask for a bit more at this stage. Adelie moves by her. And then comes Mahina starting to pick up some momentum on the outside. She'll swing to the center of the course at the top of the stretch. It's sunglasses on the far outside. Mahina with good energy. And she just blows by them all. 
and is home free. Mahina towering over the competition in the stretch run to score by three widening lengths. Adelie second, photo for third, no way it's today, and we miss Grammy. Unofficially one five in a show photo in the fifth race out at Santa Anita. Don't know if it was the blinkers off that did the trick, but at whatever buttons were pushed by trainer Patty Gallagher and jockey Umberto Rispoli, number one Mahina put it all together in a big way today to win the fifth race going away. Very impressive run by Mahina beating Adelie in a close photo there for the third place position, but no doubt about the winner. Mahina mile in 136 and two came home 12 flat that last eighth of a mile and gets the job done as the co-second choice in the wagering at odds of five to two. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll get you paid for the fifth race at Santa Anita. We've got more live racing to come from Oaklawn Park. We'll look ahead to some of the racing coming up this weekend. This is Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. Want to get out of just about anything and look like an earth-saving hero? Just use the environment excuse. High school reunion? Ooh, sorry, can't. Planetary obligations. Unfortunate bridesmaid's dress. Unfortunately, you promised the climate you'd buy more vintage. Chauffeuring teens? Yeah, the Earth really needs them to hoof it. That's right, the environment is always the best excuse. So go ahead, ask your bay to dim all the lights because carbon emissions. Tell your dad bought a dad to eat more plants. For the planet, obviously. Kindly tell the kids to stop asking for a new phone. I mean, e-waste, right? Find your out and opt in to cutting carbon. Just visit theenvironmentexcuse.org. A public service announcement brought to you by WildAid. The YMCA is just a starting line. For the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk. 
the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They're coming to the top of the stretch, and Flushing John is under a hand ride. He leads by length and a half. Sunday silence, a threatening presence on the outside. Easy goer is sent down, and he's put to a fierce drive. Coming to the final furlong, Sunday silence surges to the front. Flushing John. Tom Durkin on the call of the 1989 Breeders' Cup Classic run at Gulfstream Park. And for the third time in four meetings, Sunday Silence defeated his arch-rival Easy Goer. And he went on to uh, become champion that year. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we lead into the Am Wager Weekend Stakes Preview where Bob Nastanovich will join me at the top of the hour every Friday night, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about the biggest races uh, from around the world. We've got a dozen we're going to talk about tonight, uh, including uh, the the richest race in the world, the $20 million Saudi Cup, which goes tomorrow at uh, 8.40 local time in Riyadh, uh, which equates to 12.40 in the afternoon Eastern time here in the States. Uh, the reason that we heard Sunday Silence's win in the 1989 Breeders' Cup Classic was that Sunday Silence uh, was out of a mare named Wishing Well. And Wishing Well, who was a cowbred herself, trained by Don Luby, I believe, and uh, was a pretty nice race mare in her own right. Uh, she ran in the mid 70s, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. And I believe uh, she was a multiple graded stakes winner in Southern California. She ran 38 times in her career, and I think all but her debut. Uh, I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I think every race she ran was in California, either Northern or Southern Cal, mostly in Southern California, but a multiple graded stakes winner and wishing well as good as she was as a uh, a racing filly on the racetrack. She is uh, by far better known as being the dam of the great Sunday silence. By the way, I uh, didn't really give Smarty Jones his due. We heard his stretch run of the 2004 edition of The Rebel uh, before we spoke with Kenny McPeak in the previous segment. Uh, and, you know, Smarty Jones, I mean, he is what he is. He was the undefeated winner of the Kentucky Derby, and he almost was an undefeated winner of the Triple Crown, just got a little bit tired in the last furlong and uh, ended up not winning the Belmont Stakes, but he won all of uh, his races. The Rebel has been is a race that's been around since the early 60s, and there have been some really, really big names that have gotten the job done in the Rebel over the years, including horses like Sonny's Halo and Van Landingham in the early 80s. Remember Demons Be Gone? I think Phil, Pat Day might have ridden him for Phil Hauswald uh, and Loblolly Stable. Loblolly won the race 
like uh, three out of six years. I think they had Dalhart and Pine Bluff also got the job done in the Rebel. Victory Gallup won the race. Lawyer Ron, the great Curlin, got the job done. The Factor, who was really more known as being a sprinter in his career than a router, was good enough to win the Rebel when he ran in it about uh, 12, 13 years ago. And, of course, American Pharoah used the Rebel uh, in route to eventually winning the Triple Crown in 2015. This year's Rebel is the featured race tomorrow out at Oaklawn Park. $1.25 million on the line. And uh, let's face it, the money is a gigantic factor. The Kentucky Derby points are also a big factor. And what you really need to know about the Rebel is the fact that the winner gets 50 Kentucky Derby qualifying points. And let's face it, 50 is enough. There has 50 by far has been enough to get in the Derby. I think over the last few years, I mean, horses as low as in the low 20s, you know, with a few defections here and there have gotten in, and 30 basically is guaranteed them in. The points system has altered through the years, though. It's not the same now as it was last year, two years ago, or three years ago. It, they keep adding races. Keep, you know, now instead of finishing top four, you finish top five and you get points. Uh, but all you really need to know with this race, at least, is that whoever wins it gets to run in the Kentucky Derby. And the betting public very likely will think that Timberlake is the one who's going to win the race. I think he's 6-5 to five on the morning line, and he certainly looks like he's going to be very, very tough. If you, if you look at speed figures, whatever, whatever past performances you use, whether, whether it's the form or whether it's the uh, ultimate, you know, the Brisnet PPs or your uh, Ragazin Sheets person or, what, you know, whatever speed figures you use, uh, the race that Timberlake ran when finishing whatever it was, fourth or fifth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and the race that he ran when winning the Grade 1 Champagne last year, numbers-wise make him look like he's way faster than the field. Like, if he runs one of those races, somebody else is going to have to jump up and run five lengths better than they ever have if they want to have a chance to win. That doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to win by five. It just means he's going to be favored in the race, and uh, it kind of looks like it's his race to lose. Uh, you know, and he's, it, it, once upon a time, he said, well, you know, he may need the race. You know, they're looking to prep for the Derby. This is $1.25 million tomorrow. When do you prep in a $1.25 million race? I think he's going to be ready. Whether or not you think he's going to win or not, that's another story. But I think he's going to be ready. And obviously, Bob and I are going to talk about uh, the Rebel and the other three stakes that Oaklawn has tomorrow as part of our weekend stakes preview uh, presented by Amwager coming up about 16 minutes from now. Oh, you some prices out at Santa Anita. Fourth race on the card, won impressively by the one Mahina, a four-year-old Bay Philly by Bolt Doro, out of the Malibu Moon Mare, Malibu Pier, owned by U.S. Equine, Burker, Sones, and others, and trained by Patty Gallagher. Umberto Rispoli, the winning rider on Mahina, who paid 740 380 and 320 Second five, Adelaide, 440 $3. Third four, No Way It's Today. 440 to show. Fourth number six, we miss Grammy. The Exacta 1870. The Tri 8790. Dollar Super 236 dollars and ten cents. We do have one more live race to bring you. They're about seven minutes away from the ninth race at Oaklawn. If they get to the gate on time or right close to on time, we will be able to bring it to you. But they don't always do that at Oaklawn. 
Uh, so uh, just be prepared. We may not be able to bring you the wrist race. I want to let everybody know, tomorrow, uh, a huge edition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires, our good friend Mike Penna, uh, with his typical cast of characters and some special guests as well. In fact, he's talking to – is he talking to Kenny McPeak or are they replaying ours? Well, Kenny McPeak's on the show tomorrow talking about his runners in Saturday's stakes at Oaklawn. NBC analyst and podcast host Nick Luck shares his thoughts on his recent conversations with both owner Mike Rapoli and jockey club chairman Stuart Janney. Owner Rick Burnsworth looks back on the 2023 campaign of his national claiming horse of the year, Uncaptured Storm. Hillendale general manager Jared Burdine previews their 2024 stallion roster plus a special visit with the Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming, Steve Cohen. You'll get the Twin Spires triple play with James Scully. Look back on the career of the birthday boy, Silver Charm, in this week's Stroll Through Racing History, presented by Keeneland with Kurt Becker. And, of course, Dale Romans and Tim Wilkin tackle the sport's hottest topics on I Ask, They Answer, presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program all part of a power-packed edition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires tomorrow morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Sirius 162, XM 207, online channel 999, or on our website at horseracingradio.net. Mentioned several times that tomorrow is Saudi Cup Day uh, from Saudi Arabia, the richest race in the world. Uh, There are several other races that are worth paying attention to. Whether or not you want to bet them or not, that's certainly up to you. The first of which is the million-and-a-half-dollar Grade 3 Saudi Derby. It's not a points qualifier toward the Kentucky Derby, but it's a rich race, and it's a race that you want to pay attention to for a few reasons. Well, there are a couple interesting U.S.-based runners in the field in Bookham Dano and Ben Tornado, but the one that everyone's talking about and the one who will probably be favored is a Japanese-based runner named Forever Young, who has raced three times already in his career, uh, all uh, on dirt in Japan and twice at about a mile and an eighth and once at about a mile, and he's won very easily in all of those races. Uh, According to those that know, uh, he is Japan's best hope this year, uh, to be a menace in this year's Kentucky Derby. So you might want to, if, if, if you can watch the race live, it goes at 9 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow, and I, I'm sure you'll find it on your uh, whatever ADW that you use, and it might be on TV as well. Uh, but uh, Forever Young in the fourth race, the Saudi Derby, uh, be interesting to watch. My guess is if he runs well in that race, um, he could run next month in the UAE Derby, which is a points qualifier toward the Kentucky Derby. It goes on March 30th. The winner gets 100 points. The runner-up gets 50 points. So basically, you just need to finish first or second in the UAE Derby to get into the starting gate uh, at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday of May. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to watch the race. Uh, I'm not going to bet the race, but I want to see if Forever Young is as good as they say he is. And if he's not you know, how good are our local base runners? Ben Tornado and Bookham Dano are nice runners. I don't think uh, I don't think they're the best three-year-olds that we have based in this country right now, but uh, they've certainly been very, very impressive thus far. They almost never run a bad race, either of them. And uh, if they run their good races and Forever Young is able to beat them, then he's a pretty solid horse. And uh, I'm interested to see how that race goes. Other races going on... Uh, 
on the Saudi Cup undercard. You've got the Riyadh Sprint in there. Bold Journeys riding a three-race win streak at Aqueduct and is uh, now shipping halfway around the world to try that race. Uh, Remake is a Japanese-based runner who's been first or second each of his last four starts. Skelly, another one who's riding a win streak. He has won seven races in a row for trainer Steve Asmussen. Uh, Six of those seven were at Oaklawn Park and one at Lone Star. Uh, He has just got a boatload of early speed, and uh, he's certainly one of the top speedsters in this country right now. He's going to try the Riyadh Sprint as well. Some uh, interesting runners throughout the card uh, on that Saudi Cup under uh, Saudi Cup card tomorrow in Riyadh. And the Saudi Cup itself is a fantastic race. I don't want to get too much into it right now uh, because Bob Mastanovich and I are going to talk about it basically about 10 minutes from now uh, at the top of the Amwager Weekend Stakes preview. I'm going to tell you this. I really like a horse in the race. I do. And I, I'm not sure if I've ever said that about the Saudi Cup. I really like a horse uh, in the Saudi Cup tomorrow. Okay, let's get out to Oaklawn Park and hope that we can get this race off before uh, the end of the show. Ninth race on the cards, six furlongs the distance. It's an allowance event for four-year-olds and up, non-winners of three other than uh, or... Yeah, non-winners of three other than. So basically stakes caliber field running under allowance conditions. This is the last level before they're basically forced to run in a stake at Oaklawn Park. We've got a field of seven going to post in this race. A couple of them vying for favoritism right now. Number two, Tapatio Leo and number three, Rivet. They are both five to two in the wagering. Tapatio Leo is riding a four race win streak coming into this race today. Uh, Just blitzed two other than Allowance runners on the muddy track at Oaklawn on February 10th. So now coming back uh, 13 days later, uh, stepping up one notch in class. He has a ton of early speed, and of late, he's been getting to the lead and not looking back. Looking at the rest of the field, I'm not sure anyone else can match him in the early stages. Number one, Sir Wellington might try to go with him early, and the other favorite, number three, Rivet, probably won't be far off. I, I would guess he'll be sitting just to the outside of Tapatio Leo and maybe half a length length behind. Rivet doesn't have to have the lead. In fact, he's been able to win from off the pace in the past, but he's he's best when he's up near the lead and uh, didn't do so well against Tejano Twist in the uh, Ring the Bell last time out. I happen to think Tejano Twist at this point is one of the top runners in the country, so no shame there. All right, uh, they are backtracking toward the gate, and we're probably about five minutes from the end of the show, so there's a very good chance we're going to be able to bring you this race live, but we won't be able to bring you the prices from this race. Uh, But something is better than nothing, and uh, we're all about live racing here on Betting with Bobby and on HRRN uh, in total, for that matter. So uh, we are going to get you this race no matter what, and uh, we may not be able to get you the, uh, the prices or the official, but that's okay. You'll have the gist of what's going on. Late money coming in, by the way, for number six, Excess Magic, who is three to one right now for Chris Hartman and Rafael Bejarano. Uh, tried the King Cotton last time out against Skelly on the sloppy track and ran okay. Tried to chase Skelly around the track, couldn't match strides with him early on, ended up getting tired and running third. 
beaten a little over four lengths that day. You would have to guess that this would be a little bit of an easier spot for excess magic. I mean, these horses who have been running against Skelly and Tejano Twist don't have to face those two monsters this afternoon. Uh, big chance for them to get to the winner's circle. And here's race nine from Hot Springs, Arkansas. We're ready to go. Tapatio Leo throwing his head around in there, settling down now. Now Devil's Tower acting up a bit. Looks like they're all settling down. And uh, Lairoff. Good break from Empire of Gold. They all broke pretty alertly, and there's a seven-way go for the lead. They're going to sort themselves out right now, though. Tapatio Leo, he's narrowly ahead of Rivet, who's keen. Moves up to come and press him. Tapatio Leo, a neck in front of Rivet, pretty fresh on his outside. In the third spot is Excess Magic taking that position from Sir Wellington. Empire of Gold back in fifth. Shuffled back to race within five lengths of the lead. Devil's Tower and Chasing Time. Those two trail together, and they join Empire of Gold around the far turn. Match race continues on the lead between the Steel Valley Sprint winner, Rivet, who sticks the head in front. Tapatio Leo back in second on the inside. Rivet going pretty well right now, it appears, for Keith Asmussen as he opens up that lead. Rivet kicking on now to a length and a half lead. Excess Magic second and Tapatio Leo has dropped out of it, not going to hit the board. It's Rivet coming down the lane, a two-length leader. Excess Magic trying to wear him down. Devil's Tower third. Sir Wellington passing him with about a 16 to go. Rivet is now asked to finish, and he finishes nicely, and it's the stakes winner. Rivet back in winning form. Rivet wins it. Photo for second. Chasing time in that photo with excess magic. Sir Wellington was fourth. Unofficially three in a place photo between numbers six and seven with number one, Sir Wellington, crossing the wire fourth. No doubt about the winner, though. Number three, Rivet, who ends up going off the second choice in the wagering at odds of 5-2 to two for Team Asmussen. Steve trains, Keith rides, and Rivet pressing the pace of Tapatio Leo all the way down the backstretch, uh, really driving that one into submission by the time they got to the quarter pole. And as Tapatio Leo backed out of it, Rivet just kept on going, and he was really never challenged at any point down the lane. Ends up winning by, oh, I would say two and a half lengths. Ended up very close for the Miners there. But 109-4, the final time for the six furlongs. Rivet back in the winner's circle. Again, this is the horse who won the Steel Valley Sprint, a $300,000 race at Mahoning Valley two starts back. Uh, he really has been a win machine throughout his career. Now seven wins from 14 career starts and four for six lifetime running there on the Oval at Oaklawn Park. Uh, those results not official. You'll have to check the prices on your own. That's going to wrap it up on a fun day here on Betting with Bobby. My thanks to trainer Kenny McPeak for joining us earlier in the show. My thanks to our producer Lee Delapina for taking care of me for the last two hours. Thanks to everyone who listened in. Stick around. Coming up next, the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. Bob Nastanovich and I preview a dozen races from around the world, including the world's richest race, the $20 million Saudi Cup. That Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview starts in three minutes.